Welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit. I'm Jim Collins and I'll be your host this evening. If this is your first time hanging out with us from YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and that bell notification so you do not, not miss these amazing interviews. If you are watching us from Journey to the Pit Facebook page, make sure you hit that thumbs up, that like button, and also that follow. So what we do over here at Journey to the Pit, we interview Game 5 readers from all over the world and all different backgrounds and geographical locations. So these guys can come on the show and share their unfiltered information on what they do to raise game foul and what are some of the methods and tricks and tips that they have done over the years to gain their success. Uh, we'll be talking about some history. We'll be talking about breeding. We'll be talking about brood stock selection and raising biddies and all the most important things of the 362 days uh, that is so, so important. So uh, before we get started, I'd like to go ahead and say the disclaimer, all the information discussed in this interview is for historical, educational, and entertainment purposes only. None of this information is intended for any illegal purposes, and all opinions are respective of the individual. So we have a special guest. Many of y'all guys know him. This is a highly anticipated interview. Uh, somebody I have known. He's a very active breeder. Uh, he's Many times that I have seen him, it's been him and his son. But uh, these guys are not a large farm, but they're very, uh, they're what I call the backbone of the sport. I think they are a good representation of what this sport is all about when it comes to breeders. Uh, they got some very, very good birds, very healthy. They take well, uh, very good care of them. Um, and the guys are very, very active. So we have Jerry Lopez from Nitrous Game Farms, Helen out of Texas, that we're going to be coming on tonight. That's going to be sharing a lot of his inside information. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having him on tonight so he can share his history, his story, and uh, some of the things that he do to make his program successful. I see a lot of people already checking in from all over. What's up, John? We got Guerrero coming in. Marcus, I hear you over there, YouTube, man. I appreciate y'all checking in from YouTube because it lets us know that everything is working on both ends. We got uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. I've been out to Little Rock, Arkansas. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. That's right. Uh, Joseph Jerry is coming on this evening, man, and he's going to be sharing a lot of his uh, tips and tricks of what it took him to be where he is today. Um, I think this is going to be a great interview, guys. I see a lot of people that's checking in already from all over the place. It's going to be another fantastic interview. Guys, post questions in the comments if you have those questions. We will try to get to some of the questions in the comments section um, as we're going through the interview. But sometimes some of the questions that's asked are on topics that we plan to get to that we have not gotten to yet. So if you don't see a question, you know, get answered, just know that we're, we're not ignoring it, but uh, it might be something that we plan on covering anyway. Um, again, make sure you post those comments, uh, those questions in the comment section, because sometime we'll do part one and part two. If we get a lot of questions in the comment sections that we are not able to get to, we'll have our special guests come back on uh, at a later date to address those questions. Also too, uh, he'll probably go in the comment section after the video is uh, after the interview is over and maybe address those questions. Um, and guys, this information will be uh, in this post. So if you're interested in re reaching out directly to him, you can please do. I encourage you. I don't think he'll mind. Um, but again, don't hesitate to post those questions in the comment section. Uh, but it looks like we got everybody checking in. We got Mexico checking in, Hawaii checking in, Chicago checking in. We got everybody checking in Tennessee. See Texas. So we got a lot of people that's coming in already. We have about 60 people already watching. We got people watching from YouTube and Facebook. So uh, guys, 
Let me get ready to go ahead. We got Southeast Georgia coming in. So, guys, let me go ahead. Arizona. I hate to keep uh, giving all these shout outs and um, <laughs> y'all guys checking in. <laughs> but it's all good. We greatly appreciate y'all guys' support. So let's go ahead and get ready to get this interview started. But what I need to do before we get this interview started, I need to give a shout out to a little guy uh, out there in California. His name is Leland. And uh, he's a little game fowl breeder. Well, I ain't going to say little. He's very young. He's a young game fowl breeder that's working, working very hard. And he's a big supporter of Journey to the Pit. He's always watching the Journey to the Pit interviews. I had an opportunity to meet him face to face when I went out into California, I think in November. Um, and had an opportunity to meet him and his son, I mean, his father, I'm sorry, uh, him and his father. And uh, he sent me some pictures last night of his birth. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Hopefully, uh, Leland, you're watching. If not, you'll watch on a replay. But guys, let me go ahead and uh, bring our special guest in, Jerry Lopez from Nitrous Game Farms. We're going to go ahead and bring him on in and get this uh, interview ready to rock and roll. So here we go. Jim, how you doing, brother? Hey, Jerry, how you doing today? Welcome, doing welcome good. to Journey to the Pit, man. We greatly appreciate you coming on uh, this evening uh, to share some of your tips and tricks, man, of what got you to where you are today, man. Um, you know, I, I guess you heard the intro, just said a little bit about you. But let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about you for the people who do not know you. How did you get started? Are you first or second generation? You know, game power breeder. Let's just start from there. Uh, well, Jim, I appreciate you having me on. I just want to say uh, I, I I appreciate everything that you do and and that what you're trying to do. It's it, it's an honor mm -hmm. to come on and and uh, honestly, uh, I'm second generation cocker. Uh, okay. I started going when I was back back when it was legal days. You know, I was going mm -hmm. to Texoma. I was probably like 16 years old. Okay. And, uh, I went with my dad a few times. He invited me over there. You know, I didn't know anything about chickens at that time. I just went right. with my dad for a vacation, you know, and I went down there right. and actually, you know, just had a blast. You know what I mean? It was a right. good time, you know, and I seen all these people from back then. I mean, there was 270 entries at Texoma back when I was a kid. So, you know, it was, it was something right. exciting to me. I seen all these people and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So, you know, that's how right. I originally got started. And then I started going to my dad's yard with him and he had a small farm, but you know, I started mm -hmm. going over there and trying to learn, you know, what, mm -hmm. what, what he was doing and you know, stuff like that. Right. Right. So you said you was around 16 when you was going out to Texcoma, huh? Yes, sir. So tell me something, Jerry. So you second generation, you know, you went out there, your father exposed you to it. Uh, obviously you fell in love with it, which many people do. With an open Absolutely. mind, many people do go out there. Fall in love. It's something special. There's no other sport like it. Um, so you fell in love with it, and then you came back and started to go out to your dad's farm and stuff like that. So tell me, uh, when did you acquire your first bird or your first set of birds? Well, like I said, I just kind of started um, like going to my dad's farm, and you know, my dad was like, "Hey, if you're really interested in," it, and he said, "You know, come on, jump on in." You know, my dad, we started mainly with the cardinal club kelsos i mean i can't give okay. i can't give enough credit to that line of, of foul i mean I, ever since i seen them i fell in love with them and and honestly back in the day i mean they're just you couldn't get no better mm -hmm. uh, I, I loved them the dark wine red white streamer yellow legged beautiful roosters with 
tons of ability. And and that's what right. basically my first rooster I fell in love with, you know. Wow. 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 So that's what you fell in love. So that is awesome. So, you know, obviously we want to fast forward or or tell me this. Uh, you said you were 16 then. You started out with the, the Carton Kelso's. Okay. So tell me this. Um, as time go on, you know, when did you start to kind of acquire your own little farm? It was probably, I say I was probably about maybe 22, 22 okay. years old. Uh, you know, my dad, it, he, like I said, it wasn't a big farm. You know, I used to right. go there and help out a lot. And, you know, you know, when you're young like that, you start thinking, you know, a little more than, than your dad does or whatever. You're like, hey, I think I'm going to try to get some of my own birds. And he's like, go ahead, <laughs> you know, try it out. <laughs> so, you know, I got my own place. and But I got the Cardinals, though. You know what I mean? I got some from him. And then I uh -huh. went and got some 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 hatch roosters from a good friend of mine named Sergio. And uh, okay. it was the old, um, I, think it was, I think it was the old Cedar Creek blood. So okay. You know, I started with that and, and I just kind of messed around with it. I didn't really know what I was doing at first, but mm -hmm. I took a I took a rooster and a couple of hens and I threw them in the pen and I was like, hey, let's get started. You know, <laughs> I hear that, man. I, I, I'm pretty sure many of the people that's watching today can definitely relate to that story uh, on two uh, on two points. One, we think, you know, more than the person that brought you in and you just getting started. I think we all suffer from that at one point or the other. And then uh, just taking some roosters and, and throwing them together and say, hey, let's let's get it together. Let's get it rolling. So I'm pretty sure many of the people that's watching can definitely relate to that. So tell me this, Jerry. So we want to fast forward a little bit. Obviously, now you're a lot more established. You're very successful in your own right. Um, so let's let's just fast forward now to kind of where you are today. Uh, first, I'd like to know, do you still have that same blood that you started off with back when you were you know from your 16 to the 22 year age frame we still have the cardinal club blood but okay it's had it's had some things added to it here and there and mm -hmm. and we lost some of it you know how things happen in, on a rooster yard i mean it just happens sometimes right. sometimes you know uh owls get you hawks whatever you know what i mean sometimes right. you end up losing some and you gotta you gotta go search for the old stuff you know Mm -hmm. uh we we got them coming still pretty decent i ain't gonna lie i mean i i like them you know what i mean They're, they've always been my favorite roosters and then uh you know of course my son jonathan you know he got involved with me you know what i mean just like i did mm -hmm. with my dad and mm -hmm. he liked black roosters okay you know you know i we didn't we didn't know anything about no black roosters but uh right i went ahead and and ordered some from a friend of mine and we got them we got a we got some pure racy mugs Okay. That's what, our, that's what our blacks are. You, I think you've seen some of them every once in a while. I've seen them. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely beautiful. I, all the birds that I have seen from y'all guys uh, are, right. are, to me, are, are beautiful. But that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show, man, because I'm very, very impressed in the health, the performance, all of that. You know, I didn't see them in more, on more than one occasion. Um, so it's, uh, like I say, very, very impressive. Um, I think y'all guys are doing a great job with whatever y'all guys are doing and how y'all guys are doing. And that's why I got you on the show, so you can kind of share what you're doing, and hopefully yes, somebody sir. watching kind of pick up some of that stuff and maybe be able to apply some of it to their program. Um, so y'all guys got the racy mugs now, right? Yes, sir. Y'all got the uh, so so right now. How many bloodlines are y'all guys working with right now? 
Uh, we're working with basically four bloodlines. We got we got racing mugs. We got Harold mm -hmm. Brown hatches. Mm -hmm. We got some green legged gray blood, and then you know, of course, we got the Kelsos. Okay, okay. So you got about four. So you have four bloodlines right now. So since Just we're so. talking about bloodlines, let's go ahead and I guess stay on this topic and kind of talk about some breeding. Um, with your four bloodlines, do you breed them within a self? Or do you cross over, you know, between, do you have those full bloodlines so you can make crosses or are you being, uh, just performing your breeding within each individual bloodline? Well, you see, a lot of people may not believe this, but to me, well-bred chickens can show straight bread, you know, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. no pure chickens. I just want to put that out there. You know what I mean? Is mm -hmm. You know, there's really no purebred chickens. Okay, uh, to me, the in my experience and knowledge that I've that I've learned from the people that I've been around, mm -hmm. a breeder makes a line as good as he as he can make it. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you went and researched all the different bloodlines from the Kelsos and what they actually are, a lot of them are three-way blends that were bred and, and maintained as a family. You know, mm -hmm. so can you say you got pure mm -hmm. chickens? I ain't gonna say they're pure, but they're as pure as what they're what they're made to be. They Jerry pure. That's what I always call them. Right. They're you know your pure. Saying. They're nitrous game farm pure, and and that's what you're pretty much saying. And we had multiple guests come on and say the same identical thing. Um, yeah. You know about that topic of being pure is exactly what you just explained. It's the breeder's version of pure. It ain't you ain't talking about right. the genetic purity of a of a rooster. He just saying these are my pure. Races, you know, these are my pure, you know, what I mean, they're your pure uh, herbs, regardless. Well, see, so, your, your your goal as a breeder is to make the best show foul that you can, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to be successful. Okay, you mm -hmm. know, if you're in it just to have a little fun, hey, you know, do you know, do what you want. But yeah. what I'm saying is, like, when whenever your your goal as a, as a breeder is to make a line better than what they were right. when you got them. You know, you don't want to get something and just just stick with it the whole time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you can improve it, improve them. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, that's that's what I wanted to get out to, you know, a lot of the beginners, you know, don't get caught up on the word pure. You know, right. the, the, the birds are going to be as well maintained as 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 you put the time in them. I mean, you yeah. have to you have to be you know, you got to have a good eye and you know, but whatever it is, um, how can I say it? You know, whatever suits your needs, you know what I mean? You have mm -hmm. to be honest with yourself. That's one thing. That's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, one thing that I try to tell a lot of people. That's some really good advice for the beginners is, is don't ever lie to yourself about your own foul. That's the worst right. thing you can do. You know, you have to be honest with yourself and, and, and grade them accordingly. You know, if they need right. something, you know, just admit it. Be like, hey, you know, this bird lacks a little a little power. So right. guess what? You need to try to breed something that's got power. Breed it into there and then try to breed it back out and see if it maintains those genetics. Right. Right. And that, and that's pretty much so. So basically, and, and I agree with everything you just said. And so basically, with your philosophy, 
you pretty much just keep breed your birds within each family and just kind of keep them like that because they're able to perform at the level that you need to perform with without crossing them over within those four, four different families, correct? Exactly. A lot of people's told me, I mean, a lot of my friends, they tell me, man, have you met, have you crossed the, have you crossed the, the, the Cardinals with the mugs? And I'm like, no, I haven't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's not that, that I ain't seen none that might be successful like that. But to me, I like to keep them kind of bred straight the way I have them. But I add a little few things here and there, you know what I mean? If I think they need something, but if they got it all, then why add something? Yep. That's that. I mean, that that's that's exactly right. And I always say, too, you know, with the breeding, you know, before you do any crosses, cross, before you even think about crossing anything, you should be able to replicate what you already have. If you can't exactly. replicate what you already have, what are you doing crossing anything? Like you don't even, you can't even reproduce what you already have. And you tell them, so, oh, I'm going to go ahead and cross this with this. So if it gets out of control and it don't work, then how do you get back to the original if you was yeah. never able to produce the original? You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Yeah, well, so mean, that, that's you, actually you know, great that's a, to that's hear, a, dude. Yeah, that's a real good point, Jim, because, you know, a lot of times people get, um, you know, they, let's say they get a trio from a big name breeder. And, and the birds might be really good, but a lot of times the mistake that, that people made, and, and, and honestly, I've done it myself when I was younger. You know, you get, a, right. you get a nice trio, you spend some good money on them, you get them in, what's the first thing you do? Oh, I'm going to take this and cross it with my cardinals. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Well, this, this man's been working on his fowl for 25 years, and you're going to take them and breed something else into them. You just cut your, your, your chances about down to 25%, you know? Dude, that is so exactly right, man. That is so exactly right. And if people don't agree with that from that angle, then look at it from the other angle that I just said. If it doesn't work, then how do you get back to the original if you was never able to reproduce it? You see what I'm saying? Right. So even if they disagree with what you're saying, Jerry, they got to still take in consideration, okay, how about I do go buy something from that, that breeder and then I cross it. Okay, now it doesn't work. So how do you get back to the drawing board when you never was able to create the drawing board? You know what I mean? So right. that's that's funny, and I think we have all done it. It could be a lack of impatience or a lack of yeah. imagination. Every, every once in a while, though, you might get lucky and hit a nick, but you got to be lucky. <laughs> well, and you know what? And I don't discourage the experimentation. What I do say is before you go and experiment, make sure you can reproduce or replicate what you have. So if the experiment does not work, you can get back to the drawing board and start all over. If you can't replicate what you started off with, if it, that cross doesn't work, you're just lost in the sauce. Like you don't even have nothing to get back to because you've never able to reproduce it. So I hear you. Yes, it's two sir. things. And, and, and you know, like it's I two said, things. And I, Go ahead, Jerry. Like I said, you know, more importantly, you know, even uh, uh, my buddy, your buddy Anthony over there, he had a good point last week. You know, more importantly, the reason why if you order a trio from somebody and you get yep. it, the the best thing to do is to breed them together first okay to even see if that cock and those hens that you got are producing because mm -hmm. if they're not producing it doesn't mean that they're bad fowl i mean it just mm -hmm. means that it you know maybe that rooster or those hens are not producing what you're looking for you right know? so 
So you have to figure that out first before you can start trying to add stuff in. Like, like, like you said, you know, give it a chance, you know, you know, the, the people, like I said, you know, a lot of people, they've been breeding their birds for a very long time. And when right. you order a trio from them, you know, my, my advice would be to the beginners, you know, just breed that trio together within itself and, and see how it does, you know? Right. Right. That's, that's some great information. And that's, that's something that you just have always, well, you probably learned, did you just learn to practice that or that's kind of was your mindset from the beginning? Like, did you learn that from your dad or is that something you developed over the years that had that type of mindset when it comes to breeding? No, well, I kind of learned the hard way. <laughs> that's okay. what I'm saying, you know, <laughs> but, but honestly, I got lucky with, uh, with the, the two lines that I really like, the mugs and, mm -hmm. and the Kelsos. Mm -hmm. uh, we've made some crosses with them, uh, you know, made hatch Kelsos and made a few few Kelso roundheads and stuff like that with some other friends of mine. And, you know, we tried mm -hmm. them out, but uh, they just weren't as good as the straight ones. So I got right. lucky in getting, a you know, a family of fowl that really showed good, you know, bred straight, you know, however they right. were just, you know, breeding nieces to to the, you know, to the uncles and stuff like that you know you don't want to breed too close uh mm -hmm. i know some people you know when you when you start talking about inbreeding and stuff like that boy it, you know things get real 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 thick you know but uh some birds i'll be honest with you, i've seen some birds that that friends have had the brother sister made it and stuff like that mm -hmm. and man they could handle it you know what i mean they just right. bred right you know and and that's kind of one of, remember i talked to you a little bit about it on the phone but right. um, we were talking about five points mm -hmm. that that will help an individual become a successful, you know, breeder or or, or show shower of fowl, whatever he wants to do. And, right. And the number one thing in my experience that I've learned throughout all this time, the people that were doing good, all the big names and stuff, they all had one thing. Well, they had several things in common, but the main thing they had in common is they had well-bred fowl okay if you don't have the bloodline which is number one it doesn't matter how healthy you get them mm -hmm. if, they, if, if the blood is not there and they can't perform you're 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 gonna be 50 50 you know mm -hmm. now second of all once you get the bloodline and you've tested them and and they're solid and and what you're looking for it automatically goes to number two which is health if, if you got well-bred fowl, but you don't have health, once again, you're going to be 50-50. You know, you'll right. be 50 50 in. But you, if you get well-bred fowl, you put your time in 365 days a year. That means mm -hmm. clean water. You know what I mean? Fresh feed. Move them around on the, you know, to fresh ground every couple of weeks if you can, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, health is, is, I can't stress how important enough health is. Health plays a big part in gameness, too. You can take right. two breeders. I mean, you can take two two people that buy from the same breeder, for an example. Mm -hmm. You know, one guy five years down the road is knocking the doors down, you know, taking names. This other guy, mm -hmm. he's got he's got birds that are running off. And then, he, mm -hmm. you know, then they'll badmouth the breeder. Oh, well, these birds ain't no good. But they, you know, something went wrong somewhere where they didn't take good care of the roosters. You understand? And yep. if your health is not there, the gameness will diminish. Yep. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, uh, I'm definitely a fan of that logic. 
there. That's, you know, and I can, and I know everybody has their own opinion about it and, you know, let everybody think what they think, but I, I'm definitely a fan of that. I agree with that. You know, I agree. Health is a, you know, people always got these different scenarios where they'll come up and say, Oh no, I know this guy who's this bird always drunk green water and drunk out of mud puddles and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? That I'm not, I'm not doubting. I'm not saying it never happened, but if you take a hundred of those situations like that, I promise you, you know, like you said, if you got guys who are getting fouled from the same identical breeder, the same genetic space, one's taking good care of his foul, the other one's not. You take a hundred cases like that. I'm pretty sure the ones who are taking good care of their birds want to have a higher percentage at that hundred than a guy over here whose birds is drinking out of mud puddles. You know what I'm saying? I'm not Correct. saying the mud puddle guy's not going to ever win. I'm not saying yeah. that. And that's why I think guys get a little confused because they try to take these exceptions and make it the standard. It's, it's called an exception for a reason. That means it's not really the standard. It means it's kind of like almost rare. It don't already happen. But some people want to take these exceptions and make them the standard. And then at the end of the day, I just think they really just lying to themselves. So, but go ahead and continue, Jerry. That that's so you got health. I mean, you got genetics number one. You got health number two. And what's the third one? Number three is conditioning. You, you you've okay. got to learn a good a good program. You can put your roosters on to. To to put a little uh, a little air in them, get them get them strong, mm -hmm. but a mm -hmm. lot of it has to do with, like I said, you won't believe it, but mental attitude is is a big plus. You know what I mean? That helps right. the rooster, you know. And to me, for us, what we do is we put our hands on our roosters a lot. Okay, I mean we we I'm on a, a more or less a, a rotation type deal. You know what I mean? I rotate mm -hmm. to different spots. You know. I'll have some fly pins. I'll have some scratch pins. I'll have tie cords and I'll mm -hmm. have some, some Mexican fly pins that, you know, mm -hmm. kind of sit up close together where the roosters will run a little bit. So when, whenever you're, whenever you're putting your hands on your roosters every day, they get used to you handling them. And, and, you know, to me, a rooster that is, is mentally alert and that is mentally relaxed with you holding right. them. Right. He's got a little bit of advantage because he's not so spooked out or, you know, you right. know, some people, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people that, 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 that make roosters really jittery and nervous, grabbing them out of pens and being rough with them and take your time right. with the roosters. You know, you, right. you know, you got, you got, you got time to, you know, i tell you one thing that I do. I mean, a lot of people probably do it, but just, you know, in case they don't know, take some old tie cords that are, that are wore out or whatever and you cut them in half and leave them about two foot of length and i put them on 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 the legs of the roosters and when i'm rotating them if i got one that's a little wild i got that tie cord on him when i go in the pen i can just grab the cord and pull him to me you see what i'm saying instead of chasing that's, the rooster you know right. that, that that's, that's a good that's a good that's a good tip right there that's a really really good tip um so you said you take you take old tie cords leftover tie cords and, and you put, you know, you cut a piece of it, like you said, about a two foot piece and put that on there and pretty much catch the rooster from that. Then trying to have your hand all in there and got to, you know, because I yeah, see a lot right. of that, you know what I mean? That's and a lot of times. Yeah. So so that's a method that you use. You just put a piece of tie cord on one that's a little bit jittery and, and use the tie cord as a way to catch them versus doing, a, you know, I call it like the Houdini. Now you see me. Now you don't. 
hand catching technique yeah. to catch a <laughs> rooster. Yeah, because if you start doing that much, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna need much. As soon as you open that door, they're gonna be flying at you. You know, you don't want right, that. right, right. But I mean, I, uh, in in all honesty, too. I mean, there is some birds that no matter what you do, they just don't tame down. And we right. we call those birds. OK, like if they can't be if they can't be tamed. Right. There's no you're wasting your, your time and, and their and their time. Got you. Got you. Got you. So so that's what and like you say, some of them just is not going to be tamed at all. Um, that's right. So what is so we got genetics. We got health. We got conditioning. So what is number four? It's it's conditioning, and then it goes to pointing. Okay. okay. Now this this story, you know, this subject right here, you could spend a whole interview on, you know, on pointing. Okay? Right. But yeah. Well, we already know that's one of the hottest, most debated topics in the history of game foul, and everybody got their way, and their way is the best way, and is guaranteed, and all this and that. So. Well, go yeah. ahead, Jerry. Share us some of the some of what's what's your philosophy when it comes to pointing. My philosophy, first of all, if when you give a rooster, you know, uh, less feed or more feed or or egg white or this or that, I mean, first of all, you have to know why are you giving it to him? What what's it supposed mm -hmm. to do? You see what I'm saying? A lot of people just listen to their buddy down the road that said, hey, you know, give them some egg white and corn chopping and corn chopping for three days straight or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, you see, you've got roosters. If you think about it, just think about it. Use some common sense right here. If you've got you can go out to the to the tie cord yard and pull a bird off the cord that's been fed regular yard feed and a whole handful the day before. Right. And you can take him and 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 spar him, and he'll spar like an ace. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you take that same bird, change his feet up, box him up for three days, black him out, or whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then when you take him to the show, he don't show very good, and you're like, right. "Man, what happened? That bird was an ace when I when I sparred him last." Right. Well, guess right. what? You just you know, you just changed this whole environment, though. You change, you know, if right. you're not used to doing that all the time. You know, you change the feed. Mm -hmm. You blacked him out. You know, you just left him alone in a box. You see, it's it's different. You know, when a rooster's out on the court, he's run, he's walking around in natural. I'm all about natural, Jim. Everything right. natural. I mean, to me. You know, I mean, I've gone to, you know, gone to shows back in the day when it was legal and I take my roosters and, and you know, I drop them out on the grass. Jerry, hold on one second. Excuse me one second, guys. I have a situation. Hold on one second. Don't go nowhere. Okay. I cannot believe this.
Yeah, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but if I have to, we'll move. Eighty-six. Good on the charge. Yeah, but you got to make sure too. You're so not going to shoot it off too. Guys, I'm so sorry about that. I am so sorry, but my wife was calling me and was something going on with my granddaughter. That's the reason I ran upstairs. I'm so sorry. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? All right, guys, I'm back. Oh, man. Okay, Jerry. Very, very sorry about that. That's okay, <laughs> Look at buddy. Jay Sanchez throwing some Peters at, at Jim's door. Nah, Peter ain't <laughs> at my door. <laughs> okay, Jerry. So. Let's start where we left off. So we talked about the we were on pointing right now, right? And I apologize once again, guys, for having to step out, but my grandbaby was uh doing a little bit too much hollering. But go ahead, guys. Let's talk about let's finish. Go ahead and talk about the pointing. Well, on on like I said, I was just saying that uh a lot of guys will completely change up the roosters feeding and and just, you know, they just changed things up the last three days because, you know, why? Because maybe somebody told them to or whatever. You know, to me, the my advice would be to a lot of the beginners, you know, if you're trying to learn how to feed or you're trying to, uh, you know, condition some of your own birds or whatever, just keep right. the feed, just keep the feed, the same feed you've been feeding them. All you got to do is just add a little corn chop to it the last mm -hmm. couple of days to where the last feeding is like at least 50%. Right. And, and, and now depending, you know, I understand there's people that live in drier climates. There's people that live in wet climates, you know, so you really have to pay attention to the weather. It's very important, right. very right. important, you know? Uh, and if do, do you have access to a cock house? You know, are you mm -hmm. going to are the roosters going to be in, in a con, in, con, in a controlled environment or are mm -hmm. you going to be showing outside? You know what I mean? Where, you know, you know, you don't have those those uh, luxuries. You know what I mean? There's right. there's two or three different things that you got to keep into consideration, you know. But like I said, you know, most people I try to tell them to keep it natural. All you got to do, you know, I mean, 
you can take it with a grain of salt, but I'm just trying right. to help some of the younger guys, you know, just try it out, you know, just keep the feed natural that you've been feeding them. Just add a little corn chop to it. And then the last feeding, you know, you, of course you want to cut the feed a little bit. They don't have mm -hmm. to be bone empty, you know, mm -hmm. back in the old timers, they'll tell you all oh, that, if that, you know, if they don't feed the bird for two days before they show them, you know I mean? That, you know, we don't have the, we, we don't, we don't do that no more, you know? You know, I don't <laughs> right. anyways, you know, right. But I like to, I like to give the bird, you know, you do got to cut the feet a little bit. I mean, it's just common sense, you know, but don't do too much. Don't make too many changes. You know what I mean? The less changes you make, the more chances you have of the bird, you know, performing like he's supposed to. And, and I guess the most important people want to know about the water, the humidity, you know what I mean? The, the, how do you mm -hmm. control the moisture and this and that, the other? Well, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it from a common sense standpoint. Mm -hmm. How about you, Jim? Do you know when you're thirsty and when you're not thirsty? I mean, I, I definitely do. And, and, and one thing too, you know, when it comes to that, I, I think guys got to also be conscious of, how much water do they birds consume? All birds don't consume the same amount of water, just like that's, humans. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, some guys can go, you know, from the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon before they sip anything. Some people got to be sipping all day, all throughout the day. And I think that goes back to like I talked about doing the 362. If you're paying attention to doing what you're supposed to do doing the 362, you'll have an idea of how much water that bird consumes. And not only just from a pointing aspect, but also from a health aspect. If you don't know how much water your bird normally consumes, and, and intake of water a lot of times is the first sign of sickness, you know, determining on how much water they yeah, intake. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So so again, it goes back. If, you, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, doing them, three, them 362, you should know how much water that bird normally consumes on this type of day, on that type of day. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. should know how long it takes your bird to pass his feed. Some guys don't know none of that. Like they don't have a slightest idea of how much water they bird used to consume. They don't know how long it takes them to pass their feed, but yet they called in Freddie down the street to ask him what I should be doing on the last three. Like, dude, you already lost. I mean, to me, it's just a gamble. You know what I mean? Like you don't have a slightest idea what's going on. Like, does right. he drink four ounces, six ounces? How much water does he drink every day? You know what I'm saying? And, and if you're getting to that point where you're trying to compete, Maybe you might not know that about every single bird on your yard, but that I think that should be a part of the selection process and go, going through your keep. You should have an idea of how much water that bird normally consumes. If you don't, how do you know to give them some, to take some away, or to whatever? Like, how do you know how to adjust if you don't even know what the starting point is? You know what I mean? Right. Well, there's there's several different ways. Like I said, that that people do it, and there and there and one way. Uh, there, like I said, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know that that mm -hmm. scenario right there. But mm -hmm. um, if you're living in a drier climate, of course, you know it's it's best to have a little moisture in them. Okay, and they right. you know, they need more moisture in their in, in their muscle tissue to perform correctly, just like you would. You know, if you're out in right. a drier climate, you're gonna get thirsty faster. You know, that's that, right. That's just the way it is. You know, this is the way our yep. bodies are built. You know, if mm -hmm. you're in a wet climate. You know, you might not need much water. You know what I mean at all. Okay, it's so. But me, what I do, like I said, you know, uh, I think a rooster knows better when he's thirsty than what we do. Okay, you know, mm -hmm. we want to try to make 
you know, well, I'm going to give him this and take that away and do that and that. Well, if, if they're healthy and they're well taken care of, they'll take a sip of water if, if they're thirsty. Now, if he if he's there right. dipping his head in the water, you know, like he's dying of thirst, well, for one thing, you ought to have enough common sense to throw him out because you, you, your chances of, of being successful with him is going to be slim to none. Right. So, right. you know, like I said, my, my advice is, you know, if you got good roosters, they're, they're, they're on a, a good warming program, they're healthy, mm -hmm. their digestive tract is working. Um, and, and I'll give, I'll go ahead and give the, you know, I mean, a lot of people might know it, but I'll give a tip to the, to the younger guys that might not know it. Um, mm -hmm. You can get some, buy a little bag of, of a, acidified copper sulfate. Okay. You, you know what acidified copper sulfate is. It's a little blue, mm -hmm. it's a little blue powder. It costs about eight to $10 for, for a bag of it. And you run a little bit of that, just follow the directions, run that in the waters on the birds. And it's really good for their digestive. It helps them. I mean, if you can give it to them, you watch two or three days later, their droppings will be ripe. You know, they'll just be dropping right just out on the cords. You know what I mean? It, it just mm. helps, the, you know, part of the health program. Right, right. That's that's a good tip right there. I know somebody who uses, uses it. That's that's why I kind of learned of it. And I was like, what is that right there? I actually know a couple people on farm business. I was like, what is that right there? And that's, they explained to me what you just explained to me. So that's how I know about it. I had never known about it until I did a farm visit and seen it. Right. And then I seen it somewhere else. And then I seen it somewhere else. So I probably didn't see it about three different places. Um, and it's all for the same reason what you pretty much just said. So, right. so we got genetics. We got health. We got conditioning. We got pointing. So what is the last one of the five point system? The last one's going to be handling or pitting. Gotcha. I mean, okay, so let's talk know, about that. Yes, sir. There's the, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it, you know what I mean, back at the shows when it was legal. You know, mm -hmm. some guys just know how to take care of their roosters and, and they mm -hmm. can they can win. They can win a win a win a win a blue ribbon on on their abilities to take care of the bird and know what to do when they need to do it okay and then right. everybody's seen people that have gone in there and you know they got guys in there that don't really know what they're doing with the bird and they end right. up losing a fight with with, with a live rooster you, right. you understand what i'm saying you know mm -hmm. because you know just you know some certain things that but it it all comes from experience jim you know what i mean everybody you know, everybody's going to mess up. I mean, I've messed yep. up a bunch of them, believe that. Right. But, you know, I've, I, but I've learned, you know, the most important thing to do is when you get in there too, don't be paying attention to all the crowd around you. You got to be paying attention to your rooster. Right. You got to pay attention to your rooster and the other rooster. Mm -hmm. You know, look at them, be paying attention, see, you know, see how they're acting. You, you know how, you, know, you can tell when a rooster is, you know, needs, needs attention and when he don't, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, that's, that's like exactly said, right. Those are yeah, those are the five points though, Jim, that I believe if you know if, if you'll write that down or whoever it is will write it down and, and really kind of look at it and and be honest with yourselves and, and and establish that bloodline. And then once you establish that bloodline, health, 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 health. Right. Cannot stress the importance of health. Right. And then conditioning conditioning mm -hmm. comes you know it, it's gonna you'll get better as you go along you know it depends on on who's who's willing to help you out you know right you know you might be you know you might get lucky and 
you know, you were uh, next door neighbors with with Oscar Aikens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he happened to show you the correct way right off the bat. But there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't have nobody like that. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, do you read? I'll tell you what, I'm going to give credit to uh, uh, who I learned a lot of, a lot from. When I very first started out in the early 90s, I ordered the uh, Charlie Carr's keep, actually. Oh, okay. Charlie Carr. You know, he had some really good information in there, and it was good common sense, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, of course, I've learned and tweaked my own throughout the years, you know what I mean? But but Charlie Carr has a, a really good keep, and, and I just, you know, he's really given a lot of good information. In the old Gamecock books, his articles and stuff are very informative, you know. Yeah, he's really a very knowledgeable one. person for sure. That dude's yes, a sir. very knowledgeable person. Yes, sir. But like I said, I've learned, you know, I learned a lot from that. And, and honestly, just from reading, you know, if you want to educate yourself on something, you, you have to read. You yes. know? So go ahead, Jerry. Repeat that one more time. So hopefully some of these guys will understand. You said what? If you want to if you want to get better, you got to do what? You have to read and educate yourself on the subject. <laughs> Hey, you, Dude, you are not. preaching to the choir, man. I don't know what some of these guys don't, don't just don't get it. You can take 30 years to learn something by just straight experience, or you can put your head in some books or articles or whatever the case is, and do some reading to give you a concept of something, and it can like shave years, like 50% of that time yeah. it would take you to learn that. If you read, man, a lot of time it will shave at least 50 percent of the time it would take you to learn it on your own because sometimes learning everything from experience you still never get it right like you still never get it right and that's where that reading aspect coming in even if you don't do every single thing that you read in that article sometimes that article will ignite a light bulb in your head and say you know what i never thought about that but let me try this you know what i'm saying reading is very powerful man i mean it's very very powerful Knowledge is power. You can believe that. That's exactly right, dude. That's exactly right. So, but this has been great. So listen, you talked about your bloodlines. I think the five point system is, I think you hit that on the head, dude. I think everybody, you know, I ain't gonna say everybody, but whoever, especially if you knew, that's something you should definitely write down because that five point system covers the game. You know what I'm saying? It it covers the whole those five bullet points right there covers the whole game. Now it's up to you to, to determine how deep you're going to go into each of those points. But those five points you just laid out covered from A to Z. You know what I mean? Covered from A to Z. And depending on how good you become at each of those five points will determine your success level. But whoever taught you those five points is that solid. Them five points yeah, is I definitely mean, it, solid. It, it, and let me say one thing too, you know, to the to the younger guys out there just coming up and, and just starting, you know, they have an advantage in one way. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of well-bred chickens that have that that are being let that have been let out over the last 10 years that when I right. started, you couldn't get those roosters. Okay, when when it when it became when it became illegal in all the states right there, a lot of people started letting some brood fowl, you know, go mm-hmm. because they just didn't want to mess with it no more. But back mm-hmm. in the back in the in the in the early '90s and stuff, it it was not easy to get good chickens like that. Yep. So so they have an advantage with all the all the big breeders out there and and the small breeders too. I want to give credit to all the small breeders because, man, I mean, like you said, that's the backbone of the sport. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, there's you know there's people 
from here to Kentucky to Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, yeah. you know, you name it. You know, somewhere there's some somebody got 20, 30 roosters out there crowing, and they're proud of them. You know what I mean? And, and guess what? Proud, and I, and I can tell you, that's Jerry, you exactly right. You know, I do a lot of traveling, brother, and I'm going to tell you, man, I find a lot of gorillas on them small farms, man. I'm tell it does not have the far you know, and I have said this publicly time and time and time again. Because I have seen it. Not something I read out of a book or heard from an old war story. I'm telling you, I have seen it with my own eyes. I have seen plenty places. Now they might not have a big yard, but boy, they got some gorillas on that yard. I promise you that they got some gorillas on that yard. And you don't even know their name. Dang, you know what I mean? Like they not famous. They never won a World Slasher Cup. They never been to the Philippines or nothing like that. But those guys got some gorillas on those tie cords on that yard. And uh, you know, again, I think that's something that we need to, you know, make sure you drive the point home is you cannot judge a person based on the size of their yard. You can't think because it's big, they know everything, and because it's small, they know nothing. You can't think because it's big, they got a bunch of junk, but if it's small, they got some good ones. There's no stereotype. You know what I'm saying? Good birds are where you find them. And that's I always what, say just what, don't discount anybody's situation or size. And don't, you know, don't be so stereotyped. Oh, if he's been in 30 years, he must be right. No, 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 not always. You got guys out there that have been in it 10, 12 years, man, and extremely tough. And, and extremely right. tough. And exactly right. And that's what I wanted to say, too, is, is that, in this, that's one of the things I love about the sport that, that we're in right here is that money doesn't always buy you success, okay, in mm -hmm. this sport right here. It's whoever puts the time in who's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know. Knowledge, time, effort equals success. Not yep. just, you know, you know, you know how it is. A lot of people, you know. Uh, they start out with, you know, with big money and they think they can just go mm -hmm. buy this, that, that, the other, but they don't put the time in them. They go to the derbies and, and they get smashed. You know what I mean? Hey. I mean <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you got that's some, the truth. Some, you know, some dudes going there, youngsters, like you said, maybe, you know, just been, been showing maybe five years, five, six mm -hmm. years going there and, and clean house. You know, I mean, I'm, I see it, brother. I'm telling you, I have seen it and I have seen it more than once. And that's why I say, Keeping an open mind and and, and, and and stand away from a lot of stereotypes, to, in my opinion, gives you an advantage, you know, because a lot of guys miss a lot, a lot of opportunities because they don't feel as though, oh, how long? Seven years? Oh, no, it ain't. A, you just don't realize. I mean, you don't know, first of all, what that guy didn't learn in seven years. You don't know what he has experienced in seven years. And you don't even know what he started with at the beginning of seven years. So you can't discount somebody. Because they haven't been in the game 30 years. If they're not second generation and, you know, they don't come from here or you never heard of their foul. Dude, I'm telling you, man, those are the guys you got to watch because they pop out of nowhere. And I ain't going to say they pop out of nowhere. Nobody gives them no attention. Everybody discounts right. them until they clean house. And then all of a sudden, like, uh oh, you know what I mean? I should have discounted that dude. I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have. So what you're saying yeah. is exactly right, man. And I don't mean to. You know, I'm not trying to rub anybody the wrong way or, or try to offend anybody, but you just cannot put a label and say just because somebody's been doing something for 30 years, they're better than anybody else who's been doing it for less. That's just my whole point. That's true. 
that's true. I agree with you on that. Right. But like, um, you know, so in this, like I said, in this, in this, in this sport that we do, you know, it's, it's about, you know, 365 a year, just like what you, you know, what you're talking about. It, it's, uh, yep. you know, you gotta be out there. They gotta have fresh, clean, you know, fresh to me, you know, they need fresh, clean water, a good worming program, yep. you know, be moved on some fresh, you know, you gotta have a decent ground. And, yep. and one thing I wanted to say too, to all the beginners, but you know, something that I wish I'd have learned, you know, mm -hmm. before you even get any chickens, mm -hmm. spend your money on a good fence and a good chicken dog, okay? Because without <laughs> that, you're going to go and order a $1,500 trio from somebody after you done saved up all your money. You'll have him at the house for two days, and then he'll be coon food. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> that's a that's a big mistake that i made i've lost many good chickens because not having the proper kind of fencing and all that stuff is very important jerry you are so right what'd you say they're gonna be cool food huh yeah yeah <laughs> gotta have a good dog gotta have a good fence that's right brother and you know what man i think you know again the expensive trios is probably the last part that you when you first start out and again, you know, I know you gotta you definitely want to start off with the best blood that you can afford or gain yeah. access to. You know, it ain't always gotta buy. Like some guys say the best birds they ever had was gifted to them, and I understand that. But you know, on a whole, those ain't ain't that many people getting fowl gifted to them like that. You know what I mean? Most people right. are buying good fowl. So before you go out there and buy that good fowl, like Jerry just said, get your setup right. Make sure you got the right type of pins. Make sure you got That's enough right. pins, you know, before you start breeding, make sure you got enough space, you know, make sure you got a good fence and a good dog. Cause like Jerry just said, they ain't going to be nothing but coon food and you don't want to spend, you know, six months, seven months raising a hundred stags. And then all of a sudden, you know, 30, 40 of them is coon food in one night. So, yeah. you know, it's other aspects besides the five points that Jerry just said is other aspects that you got to do prior to that, which is getting that yard set up right. Then we that's talk right. about the before, genetics. Yeah, you know before what I mean? you even start with chickens. Yeah, you you got to get <laughs> right. <a fence. laughs> yes, sir. That's right. That's right. So Jerry, since since you cover that, I mean, this is this has been some really really good topics, brother. I mean, some great topics, some great information. So let's let's move into how you select uh, your brood stock, and let's start with the uh, cock, and then we'll talk about the hen. You know how you select them, what type of things you look for you know, what is your criteria and let's start with the cop for me it's uh the main thing that i look for in in, in a cock is of course uh number one for me is attitude mm -hmm. okay um you know once you got some good blood you know some let's just say for example you you know you you hatch out out of a trio and you raise up uh seven brothers mm -hmm. Bred the same brother, I mean, you know, out the same rooster, single mate it to the same hen. All right, you raise seven brothers up. Okay. When you're watching them as they as they grow up, there there's naturally just going to be a boss. You know, one of them's going to be the boss. You know, the one there's one that'll have uh, you know, that extra little bit of plumage. Mm -hmm. You know, the one that he'll he'll stand a little taller, or or you know, when when and then when they get older and you start pinning them up. You'll just notice, you know, well, I do. I notice because I, I, I look at my roosters all the time. You know, I walk through pens 
And some birds, it doesn't matter what day it is, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing or whatever, when you walk by the pen, they'll just cut a wing to you or, you mm -hmm. know, just, you know, jump up to the roost pole and pop their wings. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's letting you know something that he's an alpha, you know what I mean? He's an alpha right. male, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've had people tell me, um, some of the old timers too, they told me, well, you know how I pick a, a brood, brood cock? And I'm like, no, sir. He says, well, he says, I'll turn, you know, I have some roosters out on the cords. He says, and I'll, I'll turn some hens loose and they watch the hens. And he says, the ones that the hens go to the most, he says, they know more than we do which one's the dominant one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know what? That might be right. I mean, I haven't done that, but some guys have, you know what I mean? But me, I like to choose a rooster that's had a good attitude all his life. Uh, never been sick. You know, mm -hmm. you know, some birds get a little sick here and there and you got to doctor them. You know, a broodcock to me is a bird that stays healthy. He mm -hmm. has a good appetite. <clears throat> good confirmation and good attitude you know i never breed you know just just to, you know there might be a, a yard burning ace but if he's a mean rooster if he's mean all the time i will not breed a mean rooster i'm not doing gotcha. that gotcha. yeah so you know for me like i said it's going to be number one attitude and and you know really basically the attitude kind of covers everything to me you know what i mean it's got to mm -hmm. have he's got to have the attitude got to mm -hmm. act like a like a brood cop you know, got to be a dominant, a dominant rooster with a good attitude all the time. Um, right. After that, you know, you know, of course, you don't want no blemishes on them. And, and I like good plumage. It ain't got to be just dragging the ground, but I like a bird with good plumage. Okay. Okay. I don't like squirrel tails, though. You know, some of them got that high tail. It's like almost touching their head. I, I don't right. like that. I stay, I stay away from that, you know, okay. even though he might be a good rooster, but I don't want to breed that. I want to breed okay. one that's got a, a nice looking arch to his tail and it drags to the ground. Just good confirmation. Nice dark red eyes, if possible. Okay. I don't like yellow eyed. I don't like breeding yellow eyed roosters. I ain't saying that they ain't no good, but for right. breeding purposes, I don't want to breed a light eyed chicken. Me. Okay. And, and, and Jerry, tell me this. Is there any, have you always been like that when it comes to the eyes or is it something that you, from experience that, that, that moved you away from the color of the eyes? Or is just something, just uh, your personal preference? Well, it, it's kind of from both. You know, it's just my personal preference. I like a real dark red eye on a rooster. And a lot of the game roosters that I've, that I've had come through my hands throughout the years mm -hmm. were very, you know, had a nice dark red eye on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's it's just something personal, like I said. Right. You know, just my preference. Right, right, right. And, and, and I just wanted you just to explain, because I'm pretty sure guys are probably thinking, well, why? Why is it? Is it? You know what I'm saying? And so I just want you to go back into a little detail and, and that's it. Um, OK, so so how about a little bit more about the confirmation? Do you like high station, medium? How you like your station? You know, what I mean, you like long legs or you know, what I mean, no, I like a medium station rooster. OK, I do not. I do not like long-legged roosters. I'd rather have one a little on the short leg side than I would on a, on just, you know, uh, kind of built like a stork, you know, so to say. You know, right. some birds to me got 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 too long legs, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, and the reason being with, well, I can't really get into that because, you know, I'd have to go into, you know, details about, you know. Right, on, on, right, on, you right. Know, but you just you don't know, like the super longer legs. Right, right, right. I would, I prefer a medium station to medium high. 
You know, okay. You know, you know, you, know, you want them in in proportion. That that goes with the confirmation in proportion with their body. You know mm -hmm. how some birds they look like they just all legs. I don't I don't like that, and and it's hard for a rooster. Uh, I mean, it's hard for a rooster. Well, I ain't gonna say. It. Never mind. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but you just don't like it. That's all we want to know. We just want to yeah. know, you know, what what you like it and what you know the reasons why you like it. But yeah. So you like more I like, of a, a, I like a medium a station bird, yes, sir, with kind of a kind of a wide back and a and a and a nice head on him. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to be right. super small, but you don't want to breed a big old alligator head. You know what I mean? You're gonna have some more <laughs> ugly chickens. You know, I like pretty roosters. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some. I've seen some old game alligator headed chickens you know what i mean game to the right. core but you know right. they, you know to me my preference i'm gonna breed a smaller headed rooster with you know nice you know nice proportion and, and medium the medium high station got you got you and you talked about the tail so you covered the whole rooster you like you talked about the station the leg length you like them with a big back on them you don't like that big old head you know what i mean you don't like a squirrel tail so that pretty much covers all the aspects that you look for in, in the rooster. So let's talk about, you know, what you look for in your hens. The hens is, you know, basically the same thing on the confirmation. I like them to have a dark eye. I like them to be, you know, really small headed. And, and for them, to me, there's a lot of hens. You see the hens, you know, they're just naturally a little more wild than the roosters are. Okay. Like, you know, like right. when you go to catch them and stuff, you know, but there is some hens that are, that are really gentle and i like a hen i like a hen that that has spurs you know i i would prefer it it's not it's not like a, a non-spurred hen won't throw good chickens it's just right. that if, if i had my preference i like a hen that has spurs okay uh, and i like her to have a you know like i said good plumage and i like her wings to be you know be nice and in proportion with her body and you know medium to medium high station once again and mm -hmm. to what like when i grab them you know what i mean i don't like hens that 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 ah, 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 you know yeah. scream and holler you know to me i i try to breed the hens that are more a little more calmer and gentle right right that's the one our other guests kind of said the same thing he said the first time he'll deal with the holler but you know three or four times in if she's still screaming and hollering like that he's like he passed on he ain't you know yeah. you know what i mean breeding that, that's all that hollering that you can handle her three or four different times so got you on that so that's good so so you know you pretty much covered a breeding aspect of it as far as on the brood the selection you know how you determine uh on a cock in on a hen side um you covered your five points uh you covered your bloodlines and your methods and concepts on breeding you believe in staying within the family if you can because you want to be able to replicate it um, and they should be able to do good within that family. Um, so we've been covering some really, we already over an hour, man. I don't know if you know that, but we already over an hour. And we still yeah, got a lot yeah, more like to go. Like I said, you know, we, we can, we can, you know, I, I, I don't. No, is your battery still on. good? Because I like to keep on going. No, nah, yeah, I'm good. I got it plugged in. I'm on 84. Okay, good. All right, so let's let's keep on going, man, because I got some, you know, it's some other stuff. And, you know, and we probably going to go about another 15, 20 minutes because I want to bring you on again. We have a part two of this because this has been a really, really good interview. It's been a really right. good interview, man. We got we get a lot of uh, comments, not so many as questions, but also comments. There's a lot of interaction going in and going on in the comment section because of these topics that you're talking about, which I, I think is a great, great thing. Um, they say you bring up some very, very valid points. 
Um, you know, so I think that's good. So now let's move a little bit towards, um, you know, let's talk about now on your yard setup, which we know like that's step one. But now that we didn't talk about the breeding and selection and stuff like that, let's talk about a little bit about the yard setup. And then we'll start talking about, you know, as far as the biddies, you know, hatching, natural hatch, incubators and stuff like that. So in your yard, do you use mainly tie cords, pins? You know what I mean? How do you how do you kind of run set your yard set up? Oh yeah, we we got you know we use we use tie cords, fly pins, uh, okay. Mexican pins. We got some you know breeding pins set up. You know what I mean? Okay. Just you know basic stuff like that. I mean it's not rocket science on that. You know what I mean? You just want to have, um, you know. For what we do, you know, we like to have it where we can we can move the birds from, you know, to about three or four different places, you know, if we need to. Got you. You know, gotcha. now if you're if you're financially able to, mm -hmm. it's it's to me it would benefit you to separate the breeding from your your conditioning. You see what I'm okay. saying? Like, you know, like have your stags and stuff raised on a certain part of your farm. And the conditioning done at, at another part, like if, if, if you're able to, you know what I mean? If right. not, it's you know, not that big a deal. It's just that if right. you can, it's it's better to have, uh, you know, better to have them separated to me, you know. Got you. Got you. So like, now, I mean, that's a good point. So so, Jerry, t tell them, tell us, since you brought that up, go into a little detail of why you prefer that. You don't got to be really detailed, but kind of why is that kind of your preference, which it makes a lot of sense. But go ahead. Well, for, for one reason, whenever you you're raising stags, you know what I mean? Healthy stags need to be running loose. OK. OK. You know, you know, to 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 build their muscles and do all that stuff and to learn to get away from the varmints. You know, they got to learn that stuff naturally out and out and natural. I'm all about natural. You know, I don't mm -hmm. really give my birds a lot of medicines or anything like that. You know, I mean, of course, it's good to. You know, you got to control, you got to control coccidiosis. You got to mm -hmm. control CRD. That's the main mm -hmm. two. You know, if you can control that, then your bird, your flock is going to be pretty healthy. You right. Know, pretty much. Right. You know what I mean? But anyways, the, the reason being, though, Jim, is, is because when stags are running and stuff or hens are running, you know, just because over here where I'm at, it rains a lot. Okay. Okay. And sometimes when it rains, all chickens carry CRD. Don't let nobody tell right. you that they don't. All chickens right. carry CRD. Now, in, in the conditions that we are over here, and when it rains for four or five mm -hmm. days straight, some of the birds are going to get a little, you know, a little bubbles in their eye or something sometimes. And right. if you don't catch it and, and you got them running out there on loose on your yard and you got keep roosters in the keep and they run and drink out their water, guess what? You know, your keep roosters are going to get sick you know, or, or could possibly be sick, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, it, it would benefit you if you could separate running fowl, you know, that you're raising from your conditioning fowl that, that you, that, that are a, already stocks and healthy. Okay. That, that's a, that's a great point, man. That's a really, really good point. That's a, that's a really good point. And I'm pretty sure of many people watching is, is, is feel the same way. That's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And like you say, with that rain, with that CRD, they mess around, drink out the water. And, and like you say, there's no guarantee. But again, it increases the chances, especially if they get exposed to it and it's already dormant in them. No, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. Well, that is the reason why you kind of keep them separated if you 
you can. If you have a set a setup or situation, if you can. Right. If you don't have a big setup, I still think you still can implement Jared's philosophy on maybe trying to keep them on one side of the yard versus, you know what I mean, keep some on one, one group on one side of the yard and keep the other group on the other side of the yard. If you don't have, you know, if you work with limited space, uh, like Jerry was saying, if you don't have the finance or whatever, you work with limited space, just try to keep them separate is Jerry's whole point. Um, yeah. The best that you can, depending on your setup. Yeah. Um, the, you know, especially the younger ones coming up, you know, honestly, though, the, the drier you can keep them, the more dry you mm -hmm. can keep them until they get, you know, three months old, four months old. You know what I mean? You can turn them loose. But, you know, uh, up until then, it, the drier you can keep them, the more uh, – healthy they're going to be you know what i mean but and then and then don't overcrowd overcrowding is probably the worst thing you can do don't overcrowd them if you overcrowd them they're going to get sick i don't care they're going to get sick no matter what you do and, and that goes back to like you say getting your yard set up right before you even get anything so you can kind of determine on what you're going to be able to raise so it yes, goes sir. back to your beginning thing that you were saying so no that that is right man that overcrowding causes nothing but problems so look at your yard See what you're able to maintain healthy and uh, before you start breeding. Because some of us get excited, get these, go out here and buy all these trios. The next thing you know, we're breeding six different trios and got a quarter of an acre of land. And we breed six different trios and we keep breeding them and collecting eggs and collecting eggs and collecting eggs. The next thing you know, when all that stuff hatch, they all smashed up in those brooders. They picking on each other. They dying from getting. It's just man yeah, to me they're beginner mess. mistakes yeah, yeah. It, it, you know i know it definitely i know i because i have done it like so excited got some really good brood stock didn't want to wait is the impatience i think is what what does it man is it's your impatience like you don't want to wait a whole nother breeding season like nah i need to get some on the ground now and sometimes you really don't realize that maybe waiting one other one more season You'll be in a better situation because sometimes breeding, well, not sometimes, but majority of the time when you breed too much, man, you end up losing at least 30 percent of them anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, so, you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, in my experience, you know what I mean? I've seen people with, you know, 50 well bred, healthy fowl that they raise 50 cocks go in and dominate people that raise a thousand you know what i mean i mean you know yeah. because they they can take the time to care for them you know what i mean and they know the mm -hmm. roosters a little better it's just it's just a big benefit it's better to raise 50 healthy roosters than 150 that half of them are sick you know so you know that's, that's common exactly sense. Once, right once i said you know once again common sense you just got to use a little common sense and don't lie to yourself if your bird you know, if your birds are sick, you know, you got to You better you better get in the book. Like we said, start reading, educating yourself. What medicine do I need mm -hmm. so I can I can get this rooster healthy? Because if they don't get if you can't cure them within the first one or two doses, the best thing you can do, you, know, you got to call. Right. OK. So you give them like you say, you give them that beginning phase. Like you, you, ain't, you ain't running no hospital over there. You're not going to run a long term treatment center. You know, he got a couple couple doses. If he ain't recovering in that couple doses, then it's over with. That's right. So so now, Jerry, that moves us to the next topic. And he's like I said, it's been some great topics. So that moves us to the next topic. You know, now we talked about the breeding, the setup, the selection, the genetics, the, the, the health and all that. Let's talk about uh, as far as the, the, the breeding aspect. Do you natural hatch or do you use an incubator? 
and how many do you raise a year? Uh, I mean, we do both. I prefer uh, the hen to hatch them, but I'll mm -hmm. be honest with you. This year, this year, we did better with the incubator than we did with the hens. For some reason, I don't know why. They just the hens. You know, sometimes they'll get in there and you know, jumping in and out, they'll break an egg, and and, and if you're not on it right off the bat. You know, it'll mess up the other eggs. So, you know, right. it happened like that. But we, we did better with the incubator this year, I'll be honest. Okay. Okay. So so tell me this, uh Jerry. So how many do y'all guys pretty much hatch a year? A hundred? Probably about a hundred and fifty to two hundred at the most. Okay. Okay. So about 150 to 200. Okay. All right. And you said this year. So is this y'all first year with the incubator or just Y'all kind of use incubator natural hatch periodically throughout all the years. I just, you know, well, my son, my son, Jonathan, you know, he, you know, he's my partner and, you know, he does mm -hmm. a great job. He's got a really good eye for breeding and uh, he, he does a lot of the breeding. I let him take mm -hmm. care of it. I just kind of, you know, if he needs to know something, I'll try to help him out on it or whatever. But um, the, the reason why I like to use the hens myself is the biddies for some reason they're just healthier you know when the okay. hens hatch them you know you they're just healthier you know i don't know why they just are you know i mean right. it's just mother nature you know you know god taking care of it or whatever you want to call it but uh you know the the hens when they hatch them out the chicks come out and you know if, if they're running with their mama right there they ain't never had nothing done to them in their life ain't never been in no heat lamps no nothing and they come mm -hmm. out super healthy and strong. Mm -hmm. Okay. If the, if mm -hmm. they got a good mama, if the mama takes care of them, right. You know, they, they'll be stronger than them birds in, in raising an incubator. Now right. when they get adult, when they, you know, when they become adults, you know, I mean, you know how it goes, you know, any, anyone can, can, can win on any given day, you know, but That's right. you know, it's just the, the hen hash ones to me seem to be a little more disease resistant. Uh, mm -hmm they seem to be healthier and, and a little mm -hmm. bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger, you know, just, you know, just a little more healthier. Got you. Got you. So and, and a lot, so smarter. a lot smarter. Mom, yeah. 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 That natural smart, instinct, so. that kind of natural yeah. instinct, uh, they get taught a lot through that natural instinct for sure. And it's almost like a, a zoo animal being born in a zoo and then one being born out in a while, you know, they still live to be X amount of years old, but, that one in the, you know what I mean? And I'm saying that the one in the zoo can't, don't have the instinct of the one in the wild, but it's a whole different level. To me, my yeah. personal experience is a whole different level for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Jerry, let's talk about, and we'll probably go kind of close this out, with, which, because like I think we covered pretty much everything. Now, let's get into the feed. Let's talk about what you feed your chicks, you know, your stags up to your cocks. And then do you change your feed around a moat? So let's start with the chicks. You know, what do you feed your chicks? Do you medicate it, non-medicated? You know, take us through that. Well, uh, I used to use the medicated feed whenever I could get it, but they don't sell it no more. You can't get mm -hmm. medicated feed over here where I'm at. You know, mm -hmm. they sell these little bitty bags. They're like maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a pound of feed or two pounds of feed in there. They got a few of them that are medicated, but. You know, uh, definitely it's a it's it's better to have medicated feed if you can when they're first coming up, but they don't sell mm -hmm. it here no more. So uh, we just use the, you know, 20, 21 percent, 22 percent starter crumbles, you know. 
Okay. Okay. And 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 and, and Jerry, how long do you kind of run that until you start trying to transition them over to, you know, would it be your, just your yard feed transition them over to your to the next stage of feed? Well, see, I we we use it probably I'm gonna say for at least the first two months, month and a half, okay. two months, and then from there you can start mixing the feed you know if you got them up off the ground you know i keep mine up off the ground i like to keep them up off the ground for the first couple of months and okay. you know, once they start getting big enough to where they can turn loose now once i turn them loose you know i like to leave you know some feed out in the feeders that are is maybe like half half of the the bitty crumbles and half uh, mm -hmm. half scratch you know what i mean you can use mm -hmm. scratch you know just a good quality scratch because it's it's okay. got little cracked corn in it and stuff like that stuff that they can still digest you know right Okay. And then, so, and then from, yeah. go ahead. And from there, you know, like I said, uh, the, the yard feed that we use for the, you know, for the, for the yard is just a regular, you know, I like blue bonnet, blue bonnet feed is, has been good to, to us. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. It's just a yard maintenance. I like mixed yard maintenance and a little bit of conditioner, you know, and okay. I, I mix it, you know, like that. Okay. So, so tell me this, Jerry. So that's pretty much your yard. You do you feed that pretty much all year long? Pretty much all year long. You know, what I mean, of course, you know, like now it's starting to get hot. You want to cut down on the corn. You know, you want to mm -hmm. cut down on the corn and the whole corn. So you can maybe you know use a little scratch mixed with with the conditioner, and then gotcha. add some pellets in there. You know, I use an eighteen percent pellet. You know. Okay. Yeah. So, Jerry, tell me this. Do you change your feed during a moat or you just pretty much kind of stay the same? Anything, do anything different in particular in during a moat? Uh, during the moat, no, we don't really do anything different. Uh, okay. You know, some people say, you know, to cut the cut the protein percentage down to go ahead and let them moat out. Some people say, hey, let's put more protein in them so it's good for the feathers coming in. But I just keep it, like I said, it's it's just – we keep ours on basically the same feed throughout the whole year. Now, gotcha. like I said, when it gets hot, we'll cut the, the whole corn out a little bit. Okay. And then you okay. can add some soaked oats or, you know, whatever you want to do, but to replace mm -hmm. a little bit of that corn, but right. you don't want, you know, you know, whole corn builds heat. That, that's the reason right. why. Okay. You know, and, and gotcha. when it's the summer months, if they eat a lot of whole corn, they're going to hold heat. You know, they're going to have a little fever in them. If you, if you feed, if you feed them too much. Right. Right. Okay. Well, man, like I say, dude, this has been some great information. Is there any other particular topics you think we need to cover? I think you pretty much covered everything, dude, from, and I think it's great. It's a lot, man. We had a ton of comments, man, a ton, a ton of, uh, of comments uh, about this interview. And it's been a lot of people. It's been about 120, 130 people on all at one time. I mean, like almost throughout the whole entire interview, which is awesome. Um, but I think, man, I like like I say, man, I think you you we touched on pretty much all the points. Um, I really like your whole concept and your approach to breeding, especially when you talked about, you know, with your four individual families. You feel as though, you know, uh, they should all be able to do good within themselves without doing a whole bunch of crossing. I mean, I really yeah. like your approach and your mindset when it comes to that, um, your feeding program. Um, I like the fact that, you know, with your with your breeding selection, what you look for. The thing, the whole thing also, too, Jerry, is the fact that you have the whys to everything that you're doing. Like, it's really nothing that you're doing. 
because somebody told you to do it. Like you know exactly why you're doing everything within your program. You know why you keep and, it on your lines within itself. You know why you feed particular things. You know how why you're doing your breed your brood stock selection the way it is when it even comes down to the eyes, to the legs, to the body structure. You know what I mean? I think that's one very impressive thing. And I think that's something that a lot of the younger guys coming up, that you talked about at the beginning, is the fact that understanding the whys and not just the hows. And I think that's kind of what separates and, and, and you drove a good point home about that reading aspect. Reading, reading, reading. I don't understand. Guys treat reading like it's kryptonite to Superman, dude. Like, like they refuse to read anything unless it's a Facebook post or Facebook comment. But if it ain't a yeah. post or a comment, they won't read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot from, from, from these old articles, from these old school guys, too, in the old Gamecock magazine. I love reading through the old Gamecock magazines. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's just there's a, there's a wealth of knowledge in there. You know, I mean, back when they used to be 120, 130, 140 pages, you know, I mean, there, right. you know, it, it, there was it was full of information from all kinds of people. You know, I mean, some right. of it, you know, hey, if it doesn't benefit you, that's fine. Move on. But there's always a few articles in there that you can learn something from. And that's what I did. I did a lot of reading and, and, and I applied my common sense. I'd ask myself, well, does this make sense or would this benefit me or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that? And I tried. But, you know, if you want to be successful, you you got to put the time. You have to learn the knowledge, you know, you, you know, you got to know why you're doing what you're doing and when you want to do it. You know, uh, you know, like I said, we only raised, you know, 100, 150 roosters a year. Right. And and I've gone back when it was legal to, you know, we loved going to Sunset. You know, it was it was a, it was a beautiful place. You know, we right. showed roosters Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you know. Right. And and we went down there and 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 won against the best. I mean, I know Oscar. I mean, I knew Oscar Akins. You know, I, I right. talked to Johnny Jumper. I sat next to him. Right. I, sat, I sat next to Mr. Johnny Stancil and, you know, all right. those guys over there. You know what I mean? It was it was a blast. You know what I mean? It was right. it was great. Yeah, dude. I mean, that that's that's exactly right, man. I think, uh, again, you're just proofing and putting, like I said at the beginning of the intro, you know, your size farmer doing what you're doing is the backbone of the sport. Um, but the information that you shared tonight, man, I think a lot of these guys, especially new ones, can take that information to the bank. I mean, all the interviews are great and, and we're all able to take something out of every interview. Um, but, you, you know, you coming on, you're only raising 150, 200 at the most, you know, still very active. So that let guys know you don't need to have three, four, five, six hundred um, on a yard to do what you do. It's paying attention to a lot of detail, learning the whys, not just the hows, doing reading, educating yourself, putting your hand. I mean, all of those points you covered, man. And I think, you know, a large part of the community, they know this type of stuff, but it's putting it in practice is what separates, in my opinion, what separates the ones who's doing well and the ones who's not doing well. I don't think it's a lack of knowledge. I don't think it's a lack yeah. of genetics. I think it's a lack of putting in the work. You know what I mean? I mean, because like you say, is you can get good genetics now. Like you couldn't get it back in the nineties, but now you can get good genetics. Um, it's a ton of information out there, so you can learn how to feed your fowl, keep them healthy. You got access Health. to all different types yeah. of medications and stuff. That's what you yeah. want. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like I say, man, this has been a great, great interview, dude. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that information.
Because again, man, with these interviews, sometimes, you know, guys, I say this all the time, sometimes some guys just need confirmation that what they're doing will work or confirmation that they can be successful even though they don't have 500 on the yard or 300 on the yard. You know what I mean? Sometimes guys need to see somebody that's like them. That's like, wow, you know what? That dude's kind of like me. He only doing 100, 150, you know, a year and shoot, he's doing well. You know what I'm saying? And and I think, um, you know, that's why it's so important to bring on guys like yourself to come on and share that type of information. Um, and you got the big time mindset. I mean, you, you know, if you, if you wanted 5,000, you sure know how to take care of them. So you got the knowledge and everything, but you choose to have right. the size that you have because it fits within your situation. And, uh, right. and guys need to be okay with that. You know what I mean? Don't chase somebody else's dream. Chase your own. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, you, don't look at you, what somebody else what, had. I'll tell you what helped me out a lot too. And, and, uh, it's, it's probably obtainable still. You can probably still get it through, uh, you know, a feed store or on the internet somewhere you know what i mean the it's a book called the the back the backyard flock by mike strecker and it, right. it gives you it gives you you know it's important to read that because it, it tells you you know what the symptoms of certain diseases and sicknesses are because you know that's that's a big plus knowing what to do and that and that book mm-hmm. will, will help you out a lot you know it's not a very big book it only it's probably only about maybe 25 pages you know but, you know, the information in it, you know, it tells you, you know, what the symptoms are of this or look at the droppings if they're dropping like this. And, you know, you might right. want to, you know, this is the medicine that you need to get. And I mean, it, right. it really helps you out a lot. So a lot of those guys out there, you know, check it out. It's a book called uh, The Backyard Flock by Mike Strecker. It's about diseases and disease control. Right, right, right. Well, guys, y'all heard that. And he's 100 percent right. It is a good book for sure. It has some great information. And it goes back to what, like Jerry just said, is just even knowing first how to identify something. And then second, what you need to do about it. But one of the keys is definitely identifying because if you lack the, the ability to identify something, when you do identify it, it's probably going to be too late. You know what I mean? So having that knowledge beforehand. Um, I also recommend the fact that if you can get that book or articles like that book or whatever the case is, learn the information before you need it. Don't wait till you need it. To start searching for it. You know what I mean? Go out there and learn the information now before you need it. Just because you don't have any sick birds on the yard or you may not have none in the last three or four seasons, pick up a book. Read something. Learn it now because the season that you do have it, you don't want to be out there searching information or messaging guys like that video I've done the other day. Messaging yeah, do, all these guys. Do, do your homework before. Do your homework before. Right. It'll, it'll help you. It'll help you in the end. And like you said, Jim, you know, that's what your show's about. Journey to the pit. You know, this exactly. Is, you know, it the journey starts from the time they're hatched out or, you know, whatever you want to do. If you want to buy some or whatever, already grown fowl, whatever. But it still starts when you get them in your hands. When you get them in your hands, what are you going to do with them? You know, that that that's the key. That's right. You know, what are you what are you going to do with them to that's be right. successful? You got to keep that in mindset. You know what I mean? And I want to, I also wanted to just, you know, just quickly say that I've been blessed to have some, some good friends, you know what I mean? In the sport, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had some good friends, you know, that some of them just, you know, helped you out with certain things. And, you know, the old right. men that when I was younger, you know, and they gave me a lot of good information and stuff, but you know, I've met some good people in this sport, man. And and right. it's a shame that it is where it's at right now. But I'll tell you what, I mean, it's 
I wouldn't change it for anything, man. I mean, you know, going back in the days, thinking back in those days, I mean, it's, it was it was great seeing all those old old school people, you know. Right, right. It's to me, it's prices, it's experiences, man. I mean, that's something. I mean, that's the only thing you can take to your grave is your life experiences. You can't take anything else. You know what I mean? But like you say, just experiencing those things as you're growing up is something that you'll never, never change, man. Um, yeah. But like I say, brother. Jerry, it's been a great, great pleasure, man. This is an awesome interview, and I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot. You know, would you be willing to come on in the future for another episode? You know, we kind of talk about maybe some different topics because, again, I mean, it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. you got to I mean, try to cram as much as, you know what I'm we, saying? Yeah. We, we right. can talk about chickens all night long. You know what I mean? There's right, right, right. But exactly. I want to, you know, so we gotta we try go, to, though, I do, yeah, before we go, go ahead, I Jerry. do want to give give a shout out to to my my partner my son jonathan and and uh he's 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 a great kid man you know what i mean he works hard and he he's the one that 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 wanted those blacks you know what i mean and i got them in our hands and then once we started messing with them we seen that they were real good so you know he loves his blacks and you know i just wanted to say you know he does a great job and i'm glad that uh i'm glad that he's my partner it's a blessing to have him as my partner i got a couple of other good friends uh you know, Mr. Daryl Cormier, he's a really good feeder. He's given me a lot of good tips, too. You know what I mean? Uh, right. My buddy Chad Babin. You remember Chad Babin? He, he yeah, met I know you Chad. out there yeah. at one time. Yeah, yep. he, he's a real he's a real cool guy. And, you know, he's helped us out a lot, too. You know what I mean? And he's good people, man. But there's a lot of right. good dudes out there, man. You know what I mean? We just got to, you know, in this sport, honestly, it, it, it needs to be about trying to you know, be good to people, man, and it'll come back to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Be good to people and it'll it'll come around to you. You know, you may not agree on everything all the time, but just just know that it's just a disagreement. It ain't got nothing right. to be personal about. You know what I mean? Just, right. you know, try to help the next person out and it should come back to you. You know, God is good. You know, it's going to, you yep. know, it'll come back, you know, so. That's that's basically what I wanted to say. And I appreciate you having me on, Jim, man. It's been a blast, brother. You know, I, I'd be a. Uh, I hope to see you soon, actually. You know, oh, I mean? you know, you're always gonna see me, brother. You all you know, you're yeah. always gonna see me, man. And I always keep my eyes open, man. You know what I mean? I, I just sit back and do a lot of watching, keep my mouth shut, do a lot of watching, but I like to recognize, give credit what credit is due. And um, you know, just try to bring a whole different aspect and a whole different approach because I know it's a lot of guys out there that need information. They have the work ethic, but they lack the information. You know what I mean? They lack the guidance, and I think. You know, I just try to yeah. use this platform to fill that void. You know what I'm saying? Just provide yeah, the guys because, hey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It needs some, it needs some po positive encouragement. You know, I kind of seen, uh, you know, I think you did a couple of a couple of interviews with um, Manuel Alfaro right. Farms or something right. like that. Right. And his mm -hmm. daughter is really involved in it. I can't remember her name right now, but she's. Gigi. She's her name is Gigi. Yeah. Her name is Gigi. Yeah. I mean, that that to me was was super cool, man. You know, seeing her do that. I got a friend of mine named Sam. He, he has a daughter named Dallas and, and wow. she's about the same age. She's like 15, 16 years old. And, you know, she comes to the shows with us sometimes and she'll hold the roof. Right. I'm showing her how to hold the bird and all that stuff. Right. You know, what I mean, it's just it's cool to see the younger generation doing that, especially girls. You know what I mean? That's cool. It's powerful, brother. It's powerful. And I try to use this platform to make change. And, and, and one of the biggest things with change is the exposure. You know, people, young kids need to know that it's somebody out there that look like them that love to do what they do. And once they see somebody or one kid doing it, then they like, you know what? 
I want to do that too. You know, I never even thought about that. And, and I think it's a very, very powerful thing that we got to put these young children, provide them with the information that they need, provide them with the resources that they need, because this sport has given us so many blessings, memories and, and, and successes and materialistic things and all that. I think it's our responsibility. I don't even think it's an option. I think it's actually our responsibility to set the stage for the next generation, to be able to enjoy the same sport that has given us so much. And that's one of the reasons, you know, these interviews, sometimes it kind of irritates me a little bit when some individuals or just a part of a community, all they want to do is take from the sport. They don't have no desire to give anything back into the sport. They got every excuse in the world not to give, but they'll take, 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 take. Yeah. And uh, I just I unfortunately, don't think it's I don't unfortunately, think it's though, the, the one of the big, you know, the, the Internet, I mean, the Facebook stuff, I mean, it's a blessing and a cursing. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it opens up avenues for, for the bad. But it also is a big plus for people that are actually, you know, trying to learn something and, and, and for people to get in touch with people across the nation, you know, and, and see pictures yep. of foul and stuff. I mean, it's a blessing in that way. But, you know, you just yep. got to take the good with the bad and, and keep a positive attitude, you know? That's it, brother. That We're going to close it out with that because that's exactly right. You got to take the good with the bad and just keep a positive attitude and always do the right thing. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? That's it's called, the bottom yeah, line. It's called integrity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Jerry, bro, right, we're going to close I, it I out. I appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. It was a pleasure, man. We're going to bring you back on the show. Guys, I know we didn't get to a lot of comments in the comment section. And, and as y'all guys know, we already over an hour and a half. And we haven't even addressed any of the comments in the comment section. And now y'all see why. Because if we would have, it would have been two and a half hours. And we still would have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I believe that Jerry has covered. I'd be willing to No, I was going to say that you covered, you, you covered pretty yeah. much. I ain't going to say cover everything. But you pretty much covered every topic that we talked about. You covered it in great detail. And uh, and like I said, I'm pretty sure if you can go in the comment section and maybe address some of the comments and some people that want to reach out to you for game foul and stuff like that, you do what you do in the comment section on that. Um, right. But it's some people that want to, you know, get in contact with you. So if you want to after the show, whatever, when you get time, you can go in the comment section and maybe address some of those. It's a lot of comments. Maybe if you can if you got the time to address yeah, yeah, some of those if, comments. If, that I can, if I can get to some of them, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I ain't got no problem with that. I'll, I'll try to help somebody out if they need some help. That will be greatly appreciated. And uh, and like I say, guys, we're going to have them on again. I'll look through the comment section and kind of give me some bullet points of what we're going to talk about uh, during the next show. But uh, I hope you all guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I enjoyed it. It's exactly what I expected. That's the reason why I brought Jerry on. I felt as though he had a lot that he can bring to the table. Um, I think uh, he's, to me, the kind of like the carbon copy of, a, of, of the backbone of the sport. There's so many other breeders out there. With his size farms and his with, with, that can relate so much to his journey, um, I thought he would be a great fit. And it turned out to be exactly what I thought it was. So, brother, you have a good night. Hopefully, I'll be seeing you very soon, sooner than later. Don't worry. We'll, we'll be crossing paths like we have before many times. Um, so, like I say, man, just have a good evening. Stay focused. Stay positive and stay blessed. And I'll be talking to you soon. Yes, sir, Jim. I appreciate you, brother. God bless, brother. All right, brother. Have a good evening. Yes, sir. All right. There you go. That was Jerry Lopez from Nitrous Game Farms coming out of Texas. Uh, I think this has been an awesome interview tonight. We cover all the topics. 
Uh, he drove some really, really great points. Um, a couple of things that he talked about that, that to me really sticks home is the fact that, you know, his, his philosophy when it comes to breeding. You know, he has four different bloodlines on his yard. Um, he believes that he can – each of those bloodlines give him what he needs, so he just breeds within himself. Uh, he believes definitely in reading and educating yourself on different types of things, read as much as you possibly can. I know that's not a big thing that's pushed in this community, but for the ones that are successful, believe me, they're doing some reading, and they're reading more than Facebook posts and comments. You know what I mean? Um, also, too, you know, uh, he's just kind of running a, a, one of those operations, man. He doesn't have a big operation. Like I say, he only hatches about 150 to 200 a year, and, uh, and that's enough for him and his son. You know, they do very well. They're very successful. They're very, very active. Um, he's like he talked about. He's doing it all natural. Um, and it's some very, very good points. Talked about yard setup, what things are important. I, I think his five point system, I think, is gold. If y'all guys haven't written it down or if you came in late after Jerry went with his five point system, I think you should, should go back to the beginning of the interview and catch that part. But that five point system to me covers it all. And then it's up to you on how in depth you want to go into each point. But those five points. That was solid. To me, that was gold. So I hope y'all guys enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for the next show. We'll be airing Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we'll post up sometime next week of who will be our special guest. Uh, I will be doing some traveling, so we might have to change the dates, but I will keep y'all guys posted because I will be doing some traveling, so I may not be available for a Friday night show. Might have to do it on Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday or Sunday. I don't know. Uh, but I'll keep y'all guys posted. Um, so we do have more Journey to the Pit shows coming. Another big surprise is we will, we are in the works right now to be interviewing game fire breeders in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Peru. So we're in talks right now. We're trying to get the uh, back channel stuff set up as far as, you know, the, uh, the Wi-Fi and being able to stream and the translator, we already got the translator in place. So just to let y'all guys know, you know, don't be surprised if our next guest we're interviewing is from is in Mexico, not just from Mexico, but actually in Mexico. Very, very active. Uh, and we might be we'll be talking to him soon. But like I say, we'll be talking to uh, breeders in different countries now, not just from different countries, but actually interviewing those people in those countries. So we got, um, you know, like I said, we got Mexico on the list. We got uh, Guatemala on the list. We got Honduras on the list. And we're going to be talking about uh, talking to these breeders. And they use different tools and different setups and different lines and everything. So I think uh, that's something that we got in the works. We've been working really, really hard on on the back end. So hopefully all guys will hang around. And uh, I'm very, very excited. I'm very excited to start to be kind of going like international. Journey to the Pit is, is almost on the verge. We're at that tipping point. To go international. So hopefully y'all guys are with us and uh, follow us along in that journey when we start to interview these international breeders uh, from different parts of the world. So um, guys, it was a good night. Uh, appreciate y'all guys hanging out. I hope uh, y'all guys enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Continue to post comments in the comments section. Will Jerry say he'll get to him? I'll get to him. Uh, other than that, y'all guys have a blessed weekend. Remember to stay focused, stay positive, stay blessed, and we'll see you at the next show. Have a good night.